Fuck pain, fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. Headquarters of the future capital of the free thinking state of America known as Los Angeles. This is the Drunken Dows Podcast. Tonight, it's interview time again as we welcome back our pal Mike V to discuss his awesome new podcast, The Mike V Show, as well as the amazing fighting spirit of our children, a love of westerns, and the outlaw ethic. Some very frank talk about depression. Making mistakes become a habit, and the ultimate pain of letting down those who matter to you the most, and putting the pieces back together after everything has fallen apart. And now, asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle finger of the gods, Daniele Bolelli. As we invite you to lower the lights, batten down the hatches, and prepare to open your mind. For the Drunken Dows Podcast begins now. Welcome back, everybody. Episode 59 of the Drunken Dows Podcast. And an amazing interview today. I could not be so excited. It's a return visit and definitely one of our pals. And I cannot wait for you to hear this. But first and foremost, Mr. Daniele Bolelli across the table. Hey guys, I'm still, we just finished recording the episode with the glorious Mike V, and I'm still floored, so I'll keep my words few and get you to the episode, because this is as emotionally powerful as anything ever gets, it's definitely one of our most meaningful episodes ever. There's a whole lot to learn in here, and you're talking about just a great dude just opening up and... I think it's going to help a lot of folks, and I can't wait for y'all to check it out. And if anybody gives him any shit over it, you're going to have to answer to Mike V. So watch yourself. Or my shotgun. Yeah. No, it's... Uh... I don't... I didn't know that's it's not going to be a problem. So very quickly, let's get through our new friends, Ting. They're switching over to their new network. So as we get into March, pretty much any phone that you might have that's been made in the past two years, is going to work on the Ting Network. And you can sign on to Ting and check it out. Go to dow.ting.com, and you can put your model in, and it'll see if it'll work properly with their network. The amazing thing about it is they are trying to help folks realize that if you bring your own device, you don't have to pay these crazy contracts and these crazy charges. You pay for what you use and nothing more. And if you go through... 5,000 messages and go to the next level, then it increases by 8 or $10. And you're paying for that. But that's it. It dropped my four-line Verizon bill over $200. That's quite it's a, beautiful a bit thing. right there. Wait a minute. I mean, $190. Oh, oh in that case, a well, whole I, different story. I know. Well, I just want to be accurate. Um, they, they, they give you the capacity to put your – they'll look up to your old phone records and show you how it would compare to theirs. It's it's $6 per line and nothing else, and then the usage, and that's it. And we'll see how the new network works out, but it's going to make them even bigger and broader across the country. Couldn't recommend them enough. Go to dow.ting.com, and they'll give you 25 bucks off your first month of service or 25 bucks off a, a fancy new phone that you will buy from them, not put on layaway and pay for over the next two years. Just go ahead. Maybe get a little bit older model, but pay 
150 bucks, you got a phone, and now you got affordable cell service. So that's all I got to say about that. What about our friends at Dots of Sarah? Glorious as usual. Um, Chris actually is awesome. He, um, not so long ago, he sent me this really long email just trying to help out, giving me ideas, giving me feedback on stuff I was struggling with. He's a hell of a human being. I'm very happy to have him on board with us uh, since day one, basically. So he's been a great source of support. So if you guys can show him some love, make sure that if you're buying anything that can be made with hemp, he's the man. If you buy bags, backpack, uh, you name it, check out uh, That's a a Sarah site. It's in our episode notes. You'll get a discount for anything you get from him. Your money will go to a great human being. It's just a one-man show. You know, he's Datsusara, and then uh, I can't say enough good stuff about them. You should see how fancy we look when we go on trips now because everybody's got Datsusara bags. Of course. So they get loaded up in the back, and the Micro Ninjas, of course, are defending everything. And I love the big backpack carries a computer, a few changes of clothes, yep. and it's got zippers I think I still haven't discovered that I'm not totally sure <laughs> what possibly that one could be for. But That's because you don't shoplift. Then you'll find oh, out. That's what it is. I don't know. I don't recognize Yeah, man, it feels good because it's like I would push Chris's stuff if he was total crap just because I like the man. The fact that instead not only it's not total crap, but it's actually top of the line, amazing product, I can feel even better pushing it. I'm really, really happy with that. So check him out. Onnit.com, O-N-N-I-T. Uh, among the things I want to check out next, I noticed there are, I'm getting into their coconut oil. I've been starting to cook with coconut oil. I've been using it for a bunch of stuff. That's good for skin, too. Yeah, exactly. And uh, in fact, right now, coconut oil, in my mind, is connected with sensual kissing and stuff because that's Ooh. what I smell on the lovely skin that I get to kiss. So, yeah, coconut oil is awesome. But check out, you know, their whole range of products. There's so much stuff from the supplements um to the foods to uh fitness equipment there's constantly new stuff being added on so if you like on it products please go through our link use it and you'll get a discount and of course the glorious stuff from short design t-shirts and mr bennett the charlie's angels of thailand the <laughs> his uh again i am so happy that we do business with such good human beings it's just good stuff so yeah man you guys need t-shirts you guys need check out these people because that's usara on it short design i really appreciate if you if you can use their products please support them it helps us for sure but also i'm just glad to help them plain and simple we were kind of bragging each other earlier uh after we finished with mike v that we were really fortunate that the people that agreed to sponsor us are folks that we really like dealing with Absolutely. So it's not a bunch of, you know, I guess it would be easy for somebody to wave a check or something, but these guys have always been great to us. Yep. Their products are the real deal, and it's an honor to uh, be connected with them. Absolutely. But let's get to this interview. Yeah, let's do that. So super quick, because especially at the end, after hearing Mike speak, I really don't want to use too many words at the end. Usually we do all the, let me do some up front and uh, to kill stuff. By the way, we are recording back-to-back episodes, so the those of you guys who will be sweet soul will donate during the month of February. Sorry, I don't have it. I'll probably have it for the next one, the list of people who are recording way ahead. Uh, Amazon, if you guys can please use the Amazon link, it helps us a bunch. 
affiliates, Coracao Chocolate, Audible, you guys know what to do. If you can use their services, please check the episode notes for the discount codes. Don't forget to visit our friends at Kiva.org. You guys and, continue to blow us away. That just grows and grows and grows. Keep it up. And, uh, yeah, we'll get this all out of the way. A quick thank you to Daisy House. And, again, just to remind you, we are probably, this is the last episode. It may have already been closed by now. I'm not sure. But we're taking pre-orders on the Happy Nietzsche t-shirts. So if you want to check them out, it's the third t-shirt we'll release. Is my image for what a better humanity looks like. So if you, um, I'm actually seriously thinking about having it as a tattoo. So that's an idea, but I'm not suggesting you guys get the tattoo, but if you want the t-shirt, that's a little less commitment, but that's the, so yeah, check it out. Um, that's about it, right? Anything else we need to add? Yeah, let's shut up. Let's mic do his thing because it's brilliant. Here we go with the one and only, the man, Mr. Mike V. Welcome back. Thanks for having me. Hey, uh, I hear that you and that Bolelli guy are now working together on some stuff. Please do tell. Oh, yeah. Me and that Bolelli guy have our own little mini podcast that we're doing. You know, nothing of this status. Oh, I mean, our studio space is much smaller. Our engineer, much you know, drunker, much drunker, um, you know. Uh, but we're 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 trying, we're trying, we're trying, we're trying to hang with the big boys. That's yeah. sweet. I I like to encourage these uh, young folks to. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. For you guys, we just started. When was it? January, beginning of January, we started. Yeah, January we first first episode went up. Yeah. Yeah, we're doing um, the Mike V show. Uh, Mike decided to jump into podcasting, brought me along for the ride. So if you guys want to check it out, it would be sweet. Uh, it's again Mike V Show, iTunes. I'll put a link in the episode notes, the website, everything else. For now, it's one a month. We'll see what happens down the road, whether it's one a month, whether it's more or what it is. But hey, this is the deal for now. Do tell Mike, what, um, what made you want to do it? Why podcasting? Why now? What's the um, what's behind it? Well, I think the platform has always made sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty consistent with most things I've ever done in my life. Right. Uh, the sort of DIY spirit of the whole thing. Um, you have been a uh, you know you kind of dragged me into this, man. <laughs> uh, no, I I mean I really uh, I, I just feel like the opportunity to really dig into stuff and have real discussions and not be this uh, kind of stale environment of question and answer and right. commercials and whatnot. Uh, I don't know. I just, I and, and I feel like I'm at a point in my life where uh, really exploring these different topics or ideas, um, I'm in a good place to do that. And especially with having you riding shotgun, uh, 
because anywhere I really start fucking up, you can just fix it. <laughs> Hi, I need to be clearer on this English lingo, riding shotgun. When you told me that, I just brought a shotgun along with me. I thought that's what it meant. It was like, bring well, a sh- I, I made a mistake. It does. What, what, it, what it means is you are trusted. Good. I like that. You are trusted. Uh, you know, I'm going to drive. I'm going to get us there. But anyone that fucking comes riding up alongside thinking they're going to hijack our shit... You got to take them out. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Stagecoach days, man. That's what you're talking about. So I did get it right. Yes. I did get uh, carry the shotgun with me. Nice. Yes. You um, know, the best news for podcasting is it looks like the FCC is going to go full net neutrality against the uh, wantings of the Republicans in the Congress. So that's super important. Wait. Somebody even cares? <laughs> yeah, a lot, a lot of people have been screaming. You know, I bet the FCC's had more emails on this than they've ever had on anything, Are you? including Nipplegate. Wow. Well, because well, they are afraid, of course, that some of the w- windows that we have now will, could get shut down and all of that. So, yeah, well, fuck them. Not the case. So I like that. Yeah, that it's idea. good news. Well, you know. And the bad news would follow, that's for sure. But you're dealing with cockroaches. Stomp them one place, they'll come out another. Yeah. It's basically uh, a go fuck yourself type of mentality that people like us have. So we're gonna do it no matter what. Yep. So you shut one thing down, you know, close one door, or we'll open the fucking window. That's a fact. I dig that with our shotgun. That's the plan. <laughs> the something that probably I should have asked you when we decided to uh, start playing with the Mike V show. What exactly do you envision for it? Do you think like do you want to do? Uh, I mean, clearly skateboarding, there will be parts that is about skateboarding. That's your life. That's your experience. There's all of that. How much that's, that plays a role in it? How much do you want to have guests? You don't want to have guests? What, what's the no, plan? Um, well, skateboarding, uh, it's unavoidable of for course. me to talk about or to uh, make correlations with other aspects of life in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't see the world through the veil or the filter of skateboarding, but uh, it's such a part of who I am that it's it, it's impossible to like you know not address it. And I'm so passionate about it. Uh, but I don't see the podcast as a skateboard podcast mm-hmm. necessarily. Um, but I think for skateboarders to tune in uh, as we go along, there'll be some really great stories from my history in skating or just the history of skating period. Sure. And guest wise, there'll be an opportunity, an opportunity to uh, bring in and talk to other skaters who have, you know, a real history, a legacy in, in the sport. And, but I don't, I wouldn't limit guests to skateboarders or musicians exclusively. I think we can go anywhere um, to sort of uh, steal your your business model uh i'm going for <laughs> oh you right. i'm glad you are you got your priorities yes. straight still my business model yes. where i clearly it's my strength business yes. model well yes. you know you start with the found oh, i can't hear myself oh there we go you start with the foundation of martial arts but then it's all eclectic from there no of course no i well, know what I, you mean. i will just... start with the foundation of skateboarding and then it's all eclectic and diverse yeah. from there so um, in that way, in that way, uh, I, I strive to be as wide open as possible and have it go anywhere it wants to go. I'm not going to try to steer it too much. And I think it's um, 
It's exactly what we are saying. Uh, we just finished recording right before we started this. We recorded episode three of the Mike V show that will be out probably sometime around, I don't know, maybe before or after this one. I can't even remember early, right now. Early March. Early March. Okay, so it's going to be right, basically right after this one. You guys hear what we just finished recording a few minutes ago. But basically, the it's what we are saying is the in that episode we're talking about ultimately what we both care about are not the specific fields that we are involved in. It's the life that can be channeled in there. Is the spirit? Is the something greater than? So, something you know, the, you have the things that you are passionate about. I have the things that I'm passionate about. But what we're really passionate about is not just the field itself. Is what we're able to express to those fields, and that's what makes it easy to have a dialogue. Because otherwise, you know, if it was about skateboarding. How the fuck do I fit in? You know, I have nothing to say. If it was just about some word quirky thing that I'm into, maybe you're like, well, that's great, but that's your nerdy thing. These are just examples that we throw around, but what we are talking about is the same stuff. And that's what makes it uh, what makes it easy and fun to play with. Yeah, and I mean, I always enjoy conversing with you, hanging with you, but the and the conversation is always great, but I'd be glad to just... Uh sit on the couch and watch a movie with you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Because I just feel like uh, there's a, a, a present, I'd be in the presence of somebody that, uh, that, that matters to me, you know, mm-hmm. and the people that matter to me, they have to have that, that quality, that spirit of character for me to really value them or spend time with them. You know, it's like life's too short to uh, hang out with a bunch of, boring nobodies you know? <laughs> right it's like yeah i have uh if I, I don't need other people to be entertained to fill the void it's no. uh it's it's because it's fun it's because there's something there i don't know why when you were saying that uh, did you ever see the movie tombstone with uh, val kilmer and uh, uh your accent it just whatever that movie is you were trying to tell can me you about translate it? for me please i believe the word was tombstone yeah that one <laughs> exactly <laughs> just as i was saying you know tombstone <laughs> uh Yes, I, Jesus Christ! I was that far off, huh? dude. Wow. That that was yeah. That was pretty. That was pretty rough. Yeah, um, Jesus. Tombstone, of course. Okay. I'm well versed in Tombstone. <laughs> There's there are many brilliant lines in that one in Tombstone, <laughs> but the there's one that I always cracked up. I loved it. What you're saying about friendship and stuff. There's a line where they're in the middle of all these gunfights and all these things going on during this feud, going back and forth. And one guy, one guy at one point turns to um, Doc Holliday, the guy played by Val Kilmer, and goes like, you know, I'm in it because of this and this reason, but why the fuck are you still here? Why are you part of this thing? It's a mess. And the other Doc Holliday say, well, it's because Wyatt Earp is my friend. And the other dude goes, well, so what? I have lots of friends. And Doc Holliday goes, I don't. And yeah. I thought he was beautiful right there. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, that that particular Doc Holiday is so well played. Yeah. And, uh, and those lines, the way they were delivered, they really do register. Um, and I can relate to that. Yep. Um, I'd, go, I'd go the distance for people that I care about. Right. Always. And if that means uh, down in a, in a flurry of bullets, okay. <laughs> you know? That's what, why are you here? Because he's my friend. Right. Yep. That's that's that thing which, to me, when I, I remember, you know, in the movie, in life, that's that spirit that I'm like... Right. And Wyatt, Wyatt is this uh, enigma that you really can't put your finger on. He's he's not a good guy. He's not mm-hmm. a bad guy. You know, it's like um, 
leaving leaving other people to just go well fuck him but not Doc Holliday. Of course. Right? Yep. And then Doc Holliday is a is a total outlaw. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe a bad human being. But but Wyatt sees something in him. And so their their friendship is 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 really so I mean I'm really a western geek so forgive me but I mean I know that you are. relationship to me is something the way it's played in movies mm-hmm. or whatever is really meaningful like of course. I you know I think uh I've probably learned more about how I feel about life from westerns than any other <laughs> any other form of film I think that's something that I didn't think of it before when you mentioned your passion for westerners but I realize now that a ton of how I grew up was uh, watching Western movies. Well, in Italy, which is kind of funny, right? Yeah. But he was like watching all the 1940s, 1950s, early 1960s, the period when Westerns were huge and they were making a ton of them. The whole sort of outlaw ethic that characterized them where, as you're saying, you may not be exactly the perfect guy by many point of views but you are responding you have your own set of ethics that you go by so the whole uh, noble outlaw stereotype was one that you know growing up it was like that's life that's how I interpret life that's how I see it so it both shaped my difficulties with the law and also my attitudes (laughs) about uh, friendship and everything else to be that's what it's about everything else is it's funny how the things we grow up with the stuff that we respond to when we are six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, whatever we are, when you're really young and a kid, often you can see them play out for the rest of your life. Well, yeah, and that's I listened to your Conan episode. Oh yeah. And uh I was so big into Conan when I was a little yeah. kid. And I there's no way I could have articulated why. Uh and to this day I probably struggle with articulating why. Thank you for that episode. And because, that, that helped me feel <laughs> it's like being a, a wrestling fan or something. Like right. I'm a fan of Conan. Like you can't tell anyone that, but, <laughs> but, but then, but then like with wrestling, then you, there's someone like Mick Foley or somebody like right. that, that makes you like, Oh, okay. I Mick Foley, mankind, you know, I can, I can cactus Jack. I can get behind this guy. Right. He makes me feel intelligent to be, you know, a spectator of this thing. Yeah. That's how your uh, Conan episode registered with w- me. Was the Conan love? Was it, was it early pre movie stuff? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It was like, so. It's like late seventies, yeah. just as because yeah. it was funny back in the seventies. Because I was thinking when we were talking about Bruce Lee on the other show, um, there was no internet and there wasn't like the Bruce Lee channel. But somehow every six-year-old kid oh, yeah. in nineteen seventy-six suddenly knew. You know, it was kung fu everywhere. Yeah, and Conan was kind of the natural thing that came in after that. Yeah, once again across the entire country. But without this, you know, crazy information machine, yep. things were leaked across. Cousins were handing things over state line. You got to see this, man. And uh, well, I definitely liked that the women in the Conan comic books were scantily dressed. Absolutely, oh, yes. That's that was always a plus. That was huge. Um, but it wasn't just some like perverted young person kind of thing only. That was definitely a sure, part of it, of course. Um, I couldn't. I just could never explain it. Mm-hmm. Like, why Conan? I'd be reading comics with my buddies, and they'd be like, "Conan, like he's not even a superhero." Right? You know? It's like, yes, he is. Yes, you he know? is. Yeah, Conan was huge for me, man. Yeah, if at that particular episode you're referring to, I had so much fun with it. It was. Uh, it definitely ranks as one of my all-time favorites because oh, cool. I realized that it's uh, it's the stuff that really matters to me in a deep way. Yeah, I, I feel like I could 
do uh, an episode like that about any of my favorite westerns, you know, or or even uh, professional wrestling or something like and that. And you know what? We should. I yeah, see maybe a later, Mike, we show with you pick whatever the starting point is that you want on that because I think we can have a lot of fun with something like that. I do have curiosity, though. Like, modern, what's your favorite? Like, what did you think Silverado? That was one of my favorites. I just... Silverado. That I was remember Kevin, that one. Kevin Costner. five, yeah. something like that. No. I've had enough yeah. of what ain't right. That's a good line. Yeah. Uh, I've, uh, yeah, I've, I like probably modern uh, Kevin Costner would be the uh, open range. I really thought that was really great. Yeah, I yeah. that one. Yeah. Shit, yeah. I missed out. I remember Silverado. I watched it. I only watched it back then, like about 42 times, but I, it was, I haven't watched it in a long time. It was time. good. It was like the first big one they had done in a good while, and they did it right. And that's kind of around yeah. the, the Tombstonies. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> and you know what's funny about Kevin Costner is uh, he gets panned pretty hard these days. Uh-huh. Or, and even all along, even when he was making good movies, he was yep. also making bad movies. Oh, yeah. But his good movies are so, he is so, when he is good, he's the best. And uh, so I just, you know, that's what I, that's what I tune into. I just let the other stuff just go away, you know. You know, it was such a trip because I watched a bunch of the Kevin Costner movie back in the day. I watched them when I was still living in Italy. So it's dubbed. So I always hear somebody else's voice. And it was this deep, manly, tough voice. And then I heard Kevin Costner's real voice. And I was like, oh, shit, it's so different. I mean, and I listened him that way from the get-go it would have probably be a very different experience but yeah, hearing he's, it he's i mean i i'd never i would never dream that i'd sit in front of a microphone and talk about kevin costner <laughs> but wow i mean he his voice and his uh his performance he he captures a real uh essence of what being a man is mm-hmm. he has this like toughness and this sweetness in his voice you what know was that, that movie, uh, Fandango. You ever see that one? No. Oh man, we're heading to your Kevin Costner collection now. We I'm we- Western only. Western only. Okay, <laughs> yeah. sorry, sorry. That was but it. I miss Silverado. I don't. Yeah, know. I have to yeah it's it. probably Kevin Costner's first movie. He's really young. Oh really? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was fun. That was fun. But uh, you know, Dances with Wolves, an amazing story. Yep. Yep, yep, and yep. kind of almost it's almost the it was Guerrero uh, Agora who was oh the, yeah the Gonzalo Guerrero story that it's we it's almost mentioned. the same yeah, story where you absolutely. Go, going native yep 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 no I mean there's definitely there's some powerful stuff there and I think what we dig about whether it's Conan whether it's the westerns whether it's some of those uh, which again some people would be like westerns what the fuck I hate westerns or again it's immaterial those are just examples but the the spirit behind it a lot of it is about people who live by maybe outside the law, but definitely have a, are super serious about their own code of conduct, their own sense of honor. It may not be social honor. Actually, definitely is not social honor. It's not honor in the sense that's recognized by society or that's approved of necessarily. But is the kind of characters that will have your back when it counts. They will do things that are not necessarily logical to do but they are heartfelt where there's a mountain of heart in everything that they do and that's that to me is what i'm fascinated the human beings that interest me are the ones that have that heart the what people like what they don't i don't give a fuck i mean i remember it was a really sort of big uh, mind-opening experience when i was in high school 
I was talking to this girl and she started mentioning all the music she likes, even quirky, weird shit. I like every single one of those things, right? And she was all crazy. It's like, I can't believe you like all this stuff. And I was thinking, yeah, and I still don't like you a tiny bit, you know? It's like, and I was like, how can this be? We like everything the same and I just don't like this human being. Yeah. And that's when I realized because the things we like are not us. No, it's there's a lot more to the individual than what you what label you attach to it, what records you listen to, what movies you dig. That's we may like it for very different reasons, which is like somebody who tells me, "Oh, I love Conan." I'm like, "Why? You know, what do you get out of it? Maybe you're just, you know, there may be very different entry points and are, are ours... you just are you just saying that you're a conan in western and music snob uh i'm a snob in everything <laughs> i do so yeah no man so that's what um that's what to me interests me is that right. ultimately is what we always go back to is the passion is the yeah. intensity is the larger than life quality to it all that which is why you know you're i mean it's like what the fuck do i know i understand about skateboarding right but when I watch your stuff, I don't get the technical subtlety of the game because I don't understand it. I don't have that. Um, I, I haven't been schooled in that language to fully understand it. But I do see the passion. I do see the intensity. I do see you skate in a way that I see the next guy. And I'm like, that guy is doing some amazing tricks and I don't care. And Mike is doing some amazing stuff. And God damn, I can't get enough. Let me see some more. Wow. And it's it's that passion, you know, that translates, that shines through. It's uh, it's what it is. It's human spirit on display, which happens to be through the medium of skateboarding. And but, it's gotta be exciting for you because you were at the you know you were at the front curve of the whole thing. I mean, when I see the X Games now, or when you see insane snowboarding in the Olympics, that's you guys. You guys paved the way for that stuff to to break forward. Yeah, that's it's, awesome. It's funny because uh, I think. One of the last times we talked, yeah, when we did the, I think the first episode, first or second episode of of the Mike V Show podcast, mm -hmm. I brought up, uh, someone forwarded me a link. Hey, you got to read this. You're in this article. I read it and was just like, this is fucking so dumb. And yeah, it was the first episode we were talking about. Someone did an article, uh, scariest skateboarders, right. and how that rubbed me the wrong way. Yesterday, a friend of mine texts me a link. Hey, check out this story. You're in it, right? I. Again, somehow, if someone sends me a link, I don't go looking for this stuff. I will never browse, sure. try to find, dig around for this stuff. Because I've sent a link, I click on it and go through. Some jackass puts together a story. Uh, you know, just, I call it industry filler. It's just filler. It doesn't mean anything. About comparing different skateboarders to different brands of beer. And I was compared to Schlitz. So beyond me, I have no yes. idea. Uh, well, yeah. Um, so I read it, and it's about how uh, your dad drank Schlitz and you know swore by Schlitz or whatever, blah blah blah. And it's kind of complimentary to a point. And then at the end, the last kind of line is about how, uh, but there's not one skateboarder over the under the age of forty that would put this dude skating on a pedestal. And I was like, well, that's cool. That's cool because this is the type of industry talk that has existed since 1986. Right. Dismissive. If you, if it makes you feel better to think that 
there's no young people in the world that value my skating. You know, you're fucking insane. You're judging my skating on the technical aspects only. Right. You're not seeing the other thing. The industry, the industry that I'm in has never valued the other thing. But you know who does? Real people. <laughs> That's exactly real, right. Real people yep. with real lives yep. and real jobs and real families. And they see it. So it doesn't fucking matter if you see it or not, industry guy. Right. You can write your stupid little articles and jerk yourself and your friends off all you like. It doesn't mean anything. What matters is something you're not even, it's not even registering with you. That's exactly the thing. That's exactly what we're saying. Like, it's the same thing that where I'm hinting at. And, you know, the people who are the nerds of the one field that I may be passionate about are not necessarily people I want to associate with because the way they approach it is exactly the way this guy approaches yeah. skateboarding. It's like, by some crazy cosmic joke, we happen to like the same things, but we have nothing in common in the way we look at the world and we perceive it. So actually listening to you go off about uh, the stuff I care about, it just grinds against my ears because there is... Exactly. There's a Nietzsche yeah. thing. Nietzsche is not exactly famous for being a very politically correct, democratic guy. But oh, there's good. Basically, <laughs> one line that I forget. Actually, there's something in William Blake very similar as well. That's something along the lines of it shouldn't be allowed for a guy with this face to like the same things I like. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Where it's like, because whenever you touch your... your you are who you are and you bring that to whatever you like so the fact that you would mm. like something I love that actually kind of rubs me I wrong get, I get that yeah. I, I totally get that and yeah. it's wow. uh, yeah that's also by crazy elitist uh, fuck you I I remember writing on the wall in Italy that my dad and I we would pass by all the time when we would go to the sea on vacation and we would laugh our asses off because it was the simplest graffiti in the world it was translated was like I yes you know <laughs> I was like that captures it very quickly and uh, I mean yeah okay well I'll shut up because my uh, notorious uh, elitist tendency and by elitist I don't mean in any way shape or form in a sense of social class fuck that I don't mean it in, in any other terms as in human quality there are some humans that I really fucking dig 110% and there's a lot of human mediocrity that offends me to my soul. I feel like... Well, you don't need to explain this. Yeah. No, uh, to you I know. But, you, you know, oh, okay. there, there are 17,000 people out there listening oh, or whatever okay. many. So, we, we, you know, there's somebody who may 80% get what we're saying, but there may be something like, where the fuck are you going with that? And so sometimes... Okay, so help him out a little yeah, bit. Yeah, sometimes it's good to clarify. Because, I mean... There's stuff that any of us will say that if we say to the guy who see the world exactly the way we do, we get it. But there's somebody else who's not a bad person, who's not a stupid person, right. but hasn't exactly the same life experience. So throwing them a hook of saying, hey, this is actually what I mean, may not be sure, a sure. bad idea. No, of course. I had a, an episode recently where at one point I talk shit about the Dalai Lama. And uh, we had listeners, really nice, super cool listeners who were like, what the fuck? The Dalai Lama. And the funny thing is, I actually like the Dalai Lama. Yeah, There's uh, stuff yeah. I dig. But, you know, it was like... No, I understand. Where, yeah, I understand how that kind of stuff can happen. So, You're not trying to... Uh, 
that's not where you're going. You're yeah. yeah, and so sometimes giving a tiny bit of explaining is not always a bad idea. Right. I love the uh, Italian graffiti. That's so cool. Uh, yes, um, you know. It's like um, freedom. Freedom is really just freedom from others. Uh-huh. You know? <laughs> it's That's what that graffiti is saying. Right. You know? It's like, yeah. Like, it's not us, it's not we, it's me, yep. motherfucker. <laughs> Absolutely. The first Mike V-shirt has been born. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, that's funny. Well, let me go in. Um, oh, you have you have some actual uh, yeah, today topic actually, you want to discuss? Yeah, there were a few things that I was like, oh, I'm going to talk with Mike today. I want to ask him what he thinks about a few things. Oh, These are. Damn. Again, it's not exactly your interview Now my palms style. are sweating. Yeah, no. now I'm now I'm nervous. <laughs> no, no, it's uh, I mean, listing you is Mike V as my anger management counselor, which is what clearly everyone who knows you would choose to have you as. Oh, what? <laughs> no, actually, more than anger management, we'll get to that. But I guess one thing that you did bring up that uh, you wanted to do a podcast on Mike V show about, we haven't done it yet, but I'm sure it will come up. We can get the ball rolling now. At one point you're talking, you mentioned, I want to do something about start from depression, start from kind of heavy vibe that try to weigh down your soul and crush you down. Mm-hmm. What has been your experience with that lovely facet of life? Depression? Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Dude, oh, man. Since, uh, since I've known you, I've been depressed. It's because, because I met you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I have that effect on people. The entire time that that we have been friends, uh, my professional and personal life has been in total turmoil. Mm-hmm. Uh, I bring good luck, huh? Uh, you brought you brought um, light, okay, and that's really important. And so you're a true friend in that way and that's why I'll always value you no matter what but when I met you I reached out to you and we became friends and that felt really good to me and I needed a friend (laughs) Uh, the world that I've been in I've been in it for so long and I've been doing the same thing for so long and I got to a point where I just couldn't couldn't stomach certain things anymore couldn't you know I and I and Okay, I can't stomach them, but I didn't have an answer either. Right. So I've been in a fog, a total fog. And you, I think you know that. I think you've seen that. I think you've felt that. I think I've communicated it to you. And I've even, there's even been moments where it directly affected you. And you were a friend. And, uh, and I, I, that's something I won't forget. And I, I know I'm not really saying anything right now. I'm just telling you that you're a friend. <laughs> I agree. That's but, deeply appreciated. But, uh, yeah, I, I've, uh, I've been in a fog, and that fog has led to a great depression. Um, I lost my footing. I didn't know where I stood. I didn't know where I was going. I didn't know who I was. I had moments of inspiration, moments of light good ideas, a vision for something, but unable to put the pieces together, unable to connect the dots. And so mostly just feeling like uh, spinning the tires on a mountain of failure, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, That's a tough, tough place to be. I was there for a long, long time, many, many years. And uh, fuck, man, I just, 
And the the hardest part about it for me was everywhere I'd go, everyone I'd interact with, they'd pat me on the back and they'd tell me, man, you're my fucking hero. <laughs> Which is sweet, but it's, it's not. It's really sweet. These are nice people. People sure. don't, people do not, they're not giving you lip service. People don't give you lip service. They're not going to waste their time mm -hmm. saying, oh, Mike, you're so great. Right. <laughs> they got fucking better things to do than that. So, but, but that, but I almost wished they were giving me lip service. I almost wished people were lying to my face because the truth hurt me even more. You know, people being nice to me, valuing me, caring about me, hurt me even more because I can't pay my fucking rent. Mm. I can't feed my family. And I'm a hero? How am I a fucking hero? <laughs> I'm dying inside. Right. Um, and so I have all these different business ventures that I'm involved in, but they're they're convoluted and they're not right. And I'm working with people I don't want to be working with putting myself in situations I don't want to be in because uh, because I have to feed the family. Of course. And when people, when you start a relationship from that place, you're starting a relationship from a place of weakness. Mm -hmm. And doesn't matter. Even if those people also hold you on that same pedestal, they also enjoy the fact that they see you hit the ground, got knocked down, and now you're... You're this weaker version of yourself that they're now, they've employed you or they've partnered with you. Yep. And they see you differently. And you better not ever show that other side of your personality that's strong, mm -hmm. that knows who it is because that's not the person that they signed the agreement with. Of course. So I know I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm sort of talking around things to sort of leave people that don't matter out of the equation. I don't feel like talking about sure. specifics. No. Uh, it's more of like a stream of bullshit that I was trying to swim, you know, against. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's not even personal against other people. It's business is business and it is what it is. It's my own, my own uh, inability to step out of the stream. Right. My own fear or something, you know. People, oh, yeah, Mike, Mike, don't take shit from nobody. Mike, I hear all these things about myself, but... They're easier said than done. Yep. Mike will never give up. <laughs> okay. Right. Well, what happens after you've fought 15 rounds? And yep. then they tell you there's a 16th round. Mm -hmm. You built yourself for 15. You didn't know there was going to be a 16th round. And they go, well, you're Mike. You can do it. Really? That's a lot of fucking pressure. Yep. That's external pressure. That's also internal pressure. Of course. That's my family, my friends, people closest to me, uh, you'll find a way, you know. Um, that leads to, that leads to an ugly place. Yeah. Because what if you can't answer the bell? Mm-hmm. Then what? You're letting everybody down. Yep. And that's the worst nightmare. I think disappointing folks that you hold important. Oh, yeah. Is oh, yeah. probably the worst 
I can't think of anything. No, Especially the, if you hold to the Western ethics, yeah. right? Yeah, that whole I mean, uh, hero. From your fans to your family to everything. Those moments when you were letting the most important people down, usually through circumstances yeah. that are beyond your control, but you shoulder and, these things, and when it flounders, it fucking hurts. Well, yeah. and these people, they don't, they don't look at it like you're letting them down. They, they, no, they're, we see it that yeah, way. Yeah, they, they're, they're still supporting you. They're like, come on, man, you got, you know, and they're, they're depending on you in some way, and that makes it hurt hurt even more and sure. more and more and it's just it piles up it piles up and I, I keep this brave face and i keep going and i'm going and i'm going but i'm dying inside and i don't at a certain point i go where's the honor in what i'm doing mm-hmm. um i got to a point where i really didn't want to live anymore you know i was just like so fucking depressed right and uh it's funny i talked to you on that very day, I was in Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. We spoke on the phone. And uh, I was in the worst place I'd ever been in my life. And um, and we were talking business at the time. And and the business was so fucking stupid and so convoluted. And I didn't have any... I, I, I didn't even know who I was anymore. And I'm talking to this guy that I... Put on a pedestal myself and think so highly of and I just and I'm listening to myself talk and I can almost step outside myself and see my mouth moving and I want to punch myself in the <laughs> fucking face dude it's not, it's not funny no. <laughs> <laughs> you know got to laugh yes of course that's the yes. alternative but yeah I, I can I can only it. laugh now because I'm still alive right. because uh, I was that that night I was determined to kill myself and that sounds so fucking dumb, so pathetic and dumb. But I don't. I just was like, can't do it. Can't do it. I can't hurt people. I can't uh, let people down. I can't. I can't. My. It's. I got to a point where I really thought my wife and kids would be better without me. Like I really thought that. Damn. And. Uh, Oh man! So somehow I got through that night, and the sort of details of that night aren't aren't important. But guess what? I woke up many many hours later, and I was still alive. Oh shit! And you know what? I was fucking grateful. <laughs> and I I hate how this can be. This can sound so pathetic. You know, I I I get it. It sounds so dumb. Like what? It doesn't sound dumb to anybody who's been through it. But. But man, it's real. It's, yep. uh, and so I, and you know, it's like you start, I uh, don't, whatever. I, uh, I, I realize I have to, I have to start making better decisions and start doing things. But it's, it's still, that's still a long uphill battle. And so I hit rock bottom. And then I found out that once you hit rock bottom, there's still crevices between the rocks. <laughs> And there's still a lower, lower, lower place you can go. Yep. And I had to go all the way to that place. And I had to face real demons, as stupid as that sounds. Uh, I hate to talk in these, in this way. It just doesn't sound like me, but this is the truth. Um, and, and I had to climb out of that because that's what you have to do. Um, I, I wanted to stay in the dark. I wanted to never crawl out again, never wanted to show my face, but um, my family needs me, and and I need me, mm-hmm. 
you know? And so, okay, figure, figure this out. And the figuring it out, that, that seems to have hurt people more than just staying in the dirt. <laughs> they don't want you to figure it out. <laughs> right. But uh, like, I guess my question there is, how? Because, you know, when you are in that place where you feel that it's not just external circumstances that suck beyond belief, but it's the internal, where suddenly you feel that you have nothing left, where you feel vulnerable, you feel that you lack the strength to do what's needed. How do you create it out of nothing? You know, how mm. do you climb out? Um, I don't know. I was lucky enough to wake up, you know, and not that not that that that, that turned anything around immediately or anything. But yes, like when you wake up and suddenly you're like, okay, I'm still alive. I'm saying, yeah, I'm literally woke up like I'm still alive. Right, I was supposed to be dead. And at that point, how do you make that very long climb out of the hole? Um, what is that? I guess motivates you. What is the give, what is that gives you the energy ultimately to do it? One step in the right direction mm -hmm. motivates the next step in the right direction. Mm -hmm. um, but there's a lot. Of, there's also before you take the right first step, there, there's a lot of other missteps. That was like, that was I got into a habit. It became a habit of making mistakes. Mm -hmm. Right, like I almost like that became a comfort level. Like the turmoil of the mistakes was a drama in itself, right? right? Um. So once I made, once I made the first right step, people around me began to react to that. Um, on the business side of things, the professional side of things, in a negative way, mm -hmm. because it was my first true step towards freedom. In my home, in my personal life. People reacted to that first step in the most caring, loving, mm -hmm. real way. And so it came down to what do I, who do I really value? These people are giving me the freedom and the encouragement and the love to go. And these other people are trying to keep me in the fucking dirt. Right. Where I belong. <laughs> so that had to be incredible clarity at that point. When you see that the important people see that these decisions are pushing you in the right direction, then you know. That's the cosmic energy that yeah. you want to follow. Because these shysters that just want to fucking mooch and suck off you, they don't deserve it. It's I like to call them shysters too, but they're just who they are. Mm -hmm. Like You know what I mean? They don't even fucking know how dumb they are. They're just doing their thing, you know? Yep. My oldest daughter, Emily, who's 22, was the real kind of, uh, she's the real rock. She's the one that, man, you talk about these kids. Are, my kids are so self-confident. They're so, so strong individuals. And, and she's the one that kind of like looked me in the eye and said, get your fucking act together. You know, we need you. We believe in you. You're, you know, my wife, she's. She comes from the same place, but she's older and everything that we've gone through and that I was going through uh, is a tragedy in a way. And that that's uh, affected her as well, mm -hmm. the way that it was affecting me. She sure. was depressed. She was yep. hurting. 
But my oldest daughter, she had she had more fighting spirit, and she's the she became a real rock in our household, and a real encouragement. And uh, I've gone into business with my family, most specifically with my oldest daughter Emily. Uh, this has never been done in skateboarding before. First of all, that for a young woman to be on the forefront of a skateboard company mm -hmm. as a this is our company. It's a boys club. Right. They're not allowed. Yeah. Uh and then for her to be my daughter as well, for this to be a family business. Um this is this is a real shining light in my life is doing this. Mm -hmm. Um I had I had all these other avenues or opportunities, places I could have gone. They would have been more missteps. They would have been more falls. They would have been more crevices within the rocks. This was the right thing to do, and uh, and I did it. But I, it was a hard road, and it was, uh, in the end, the people that I was hurting the most encouraged me the most. The people that I felt like I was letting down raised me up. The... The people that I didn't want to hurt anymore wanted me there regardless, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, somehow that pierced, that pierced through whatever I'd built around me, my own bullshit that was just, you know. Right. And so no one else mattered. And you think it's so e it's so simple. That's so simple. You know, but you can't, you, you just, you, until you walk in someone else's shoes, yeah. you can't, you can't understand, you can't appreciate, you know, and again, it was really difficult. I had this moment, I was in Sweden and I was, this is maybe, this might be, sound like a tangent or completely off topic, but I really think it ties in in some way for how I was feeling for not just in this moment, but over a series of years, mm -hmm. I was at this event. In Sweden, they, I was flown out to, to skate at this event. But I had skated in this event the year before, and it was a ramp competition. I don't skate ramps. Right. I skated the year, the one year, and I had a great showing, and it was really cool, and I was glad I did it. But it couldn't be replicated. Mm -hmm. Okay? I haven't skated a ramp since last year when I skated that ramp. Right. Right? So it's not like I'm going to show up this year and have anything new yep. to do on this ramp. Sure. And I believe in spontaneity in the moment. And that moment was, the previous year was beautiful. I wouldn't want to tarnish it by round two, here I am again. Yeah. Know? So I said, I'll come out to the event. I'll hang out. I'll be, I'll have a presence. But, you know, I don't want, I'm not skating in the event. And people were fine with that. Okay, cool. So behind the ramp, during this sanctioned event contest, where they have spectators watching people skate the ramp, there's a, another area more of a freestyles, what we would call a street course area, mm -hmm. even though it's in a warehouse and it's fabricated yep. ramps. We call it a street course. So I'm out there fiddling around on the street course during the event, and I start really kind of getting into what I'm doing, and I find this one particular line that I'm pursuing, this one particular trick that I'm really starting to go for, and I recognize it's one of those things where, okay, it's all in, this is going to take me, could take me an hour. How many numerous attempts to make this? Some pretty hard falls. Mm -hmm. But eventually I'm going to do this, you know. 
So I start pursuing this maneuver. Um, from At first, my motivation is completely pure. But then I, people begin to tune into what I'm doing and a crowd begins to form and cameras begin to show up. And then the attention of the event starts shifting. People start turning their heads away from the event and now they're watching me. It's now the Mike V show, right? Which I'm known for, you know? Now I'm on display. Right. And I usually crave those moments. Not in some like show off, check me out kind of way, but because I also feel that in those moments I'm able to really communicate something mm -hmm. in what I'm doing. So as a professional skater, as a skater that's known, like that's this is this is what you live for, is like for people to like be tuned into your skating. But I begin to feel kind of uh self-conscious and I don't want to take away from the event it's that's not right mm -hmm. there's guys that came a long way to skate in this event and uh you know I'm not here to steal anyone's thunder or steal the show or something so I'm a little self-conscious about that but I'm also pretty deep into what I'm doing mm -hmm. that I feel like I gotta see it through and hopefully I land it soon and then everything can go back to normal I'm, I'm really getting close and I'm, I'm feeling the right kind of energy and this guy walks up to me sweetheart of a guy and he goes, Mike, I know you will do this. You always do this. Mike, Mike V never gives up. He never gives up. And I picked my board up and I turned my back to him and I walked away. And I walked and I picked up my jacket and I put my jacket on. And I walked outside and I walked six miles in the freezing fucking cold back to my hotel and I wanted to die right then too <laughs> this guy he meant it was so meaningful of to course. him you'll never give up yeah. and I just thought at the time at, the at that very moment I was like that's not fair it's mm -hmm. not fucking fair what if I want to give up I'm not allowed to <laughs> you know right it's so it's feeling sorry for yourself pathetic shit I know but that's where I was and that's just not where I was in that moment. That's where I was for years and years of my life. Yep. It's like, that's why I say I was in a fog. It's like, if I would, if that guy, maybe if that guy didn't say that to me, I would have been, I would have had this inspired moment where I landed the trick and I would have felt really good and it would have been a really cool thing. But I was so uh, on edge mm -hmm. and so sensitive that such a little thing pushed me over one way or the other. And, and I've been there for so long. Just so brutal, man. So brutal. But anyway, what am I going to do? Start crying. Yeah. <laughs> no, but that's the thing. It's like that pressure <laughs> that... Uh, it's not even the pressure that other people put on you. The pressure that we put on ourselves, the story that make us us, that we've been telling ourselves, which is real. It's not bullshit. It's just proven time and time again. But then there's the day when you don't feel strong. Then there's the day when your willpower is cracking. There's the day when you are vulnerable. That's something that I've been struggling like crazy lately, that sense of vulnerability. That's like I've always felt, even in horrible times, even when I felt, I've always felt kind of this sense of invincibility. Like I will just crack the rocks around me and just headbutt my way through. You know what I mean? Even when it was ugly, even when I wouldn't, it would seem impossible, even when the outcome didn't play out well, I still felt this sense of, okay, 
I'm gonna get up and I'm gonna go again, you know? Hitting once in a while instead this sense of real vulnerability where you don't feel strong, where you feel just flat out weakness, where you feel kind of ashamed of the reaction that you're having to the challenge that's put in front of you. Oh, it sucks, because suddenly it's not external stuff anymore. It's not like, oh, the outcome is not playing to my desire or I have to deal with all these forces that I have to battle. Suddenly it's an inside thing. It's where I am not who I think I am, or rather I am other percentage of the time, but right now I'm not that person. And it fucking sucks, because it's one thing not to be able to count on external reality, is a whole other game not to count on internal reality on yeah. who you and that's what i keep uh i guess that's what i'm having a hard time with is going I, I keep having these phases back and forth right for quite a while now for a long time i think i i i masked them in a way that didn't look like what it is and so i masked them with a lot of physical symptoms where it looked like oh my body's acting up weird i have this issue and then three mm. months later oh, i have this other issue and then i'm like the reality is there's nothing wrong in any of the situation is my body kind of expressing shit that's happening on an emotional level that's right. on something else and what's happening on an emotional level that i now recognize i keep having these phases almost every month every like four to eight weeks I'll hit my stride, I'll be me, I'll be on, I'll have that energy. Four weeks, five weeks, six weeks, boom. Suddenly I feel vulnerable, I feel weak, I feel like that ride I was going, it's not there anymore. Menstrual cycle. Serious. Yeah, that's what it is. That's what, <laughs> it's all about PMS. That's what's going on. It is funny that you say that though, but it may not be menstrual. I think it's just as, you know, guys that are in our 40s now, we recognize that the clock is ticking and sort of those loftier things that we put up there, they kind of don't look as possible as they did when we were 20-something. Or you are starting to let those people down, not through any fault of your own, just because it's an it's, you have an impossible level to attain or maintain. Yeah, and I think there's something to that about existential issues, which definitely age can play a role with it, life experience make a role in it where suddenly you realize that there are some external limits that are not just I can sort of rewrite the rules of the game where the rules are written, you can push the rules of the game, you can change, you know, you can you have some agency for sure, but for people like us who thrive on agency on the fact that you can carve your own path, once in a while when you hit limits that you can't carve through, you're like, oh shit, there's there's that too, you know? And I think the one that I struggle with is sort of the existential aspect of it all. The fact that doesn't matter how much willpower you have, doesn't matter how strong you can be, doesn't matter how all of that stuff, there are certain things that, you know, no one gets out alive that ultimately you can never really protect fully, even the people you love. The fact that shit can happen, the fact that, you know, you can do all of that. And again, even about this, I go back and forth because there's the moment where I hit it right and my spirit responds the right way. And I acknowledge that. I understand that that's how it is. I accept it and I'm kind of with the defiant smile and raise middle finger. And it's like, well, fuck you. You know, yeah, that's the way the game plays out. But I'm not going to let you crush me. And I'm going to have fun till the last second when I can. And that's when it's awesome. And then there's the other moment where it doesn't quite intellectually i know that that's the answer for me and maybe in general it's kind of the existential answer 
but it doesn't feel real suddenly anymore it doesn't feel like it's mine i don't i believe it i don't feel it mm. and it's and that's when suddenly it's like whoop, slump slump down again down vulnerability road and down this sense of powerlessness and i had an experience that um i think we mentioned it in the episode right before this one i believe that the, um, I had this interesting experience just a few days ago where I was going through one of these weeks of uh, crap where I'm weaker, where I'm not on and um, something happened that really pissed me off to the core where I felt like even some of the stuff that I thought I could count on kind of the crevices you're referring to you think you're in a bad place and suddenly something open up that show you it's about to get a lot worse and that made me fuming angry i was just mad i just had this sense of rage which oddly enough chased depression away in a heartbeat hmm. it's like any sense of the that sense of anger replaced it because i was like you know what that fuck you reaction that yeah you know i'm already at the edge i already kind of could use all the hands i can get right now and they are pushing me even further out suddenly he made that inner strength show up where it wasn't there a minute ago, you know? Wow. And I don't know how or why. I'm happy it did. It's not a process I control. So again, I'm glad when it shows up. Uh, it's not 24-7 and it's definitely not 365 days a year. But it was interesting to me because, you know, normally we think of, I think of anger as not a particularly desirable emotion. It's like, I don't want to be angry. Fuck that. I want to, you know... In my ideal world, I would like to handle things in a more flexible, uh, centered... Let's, let's uh, call it positive rage. Yeah, ex positive rage. That's precisely that's precisely yeah. where it's at. Yeah, um, I, I don't, I don't no, want to cool. cut you off. I, uh, so the night I'm talking about in Puerto Rico, uh -huh. that's like uh, November 2013. August 2014... I've come home from the road. I've been on the road for a while, 60 shows or some shit. And everything is falling apart. Everything in my fucking life is falling apart. And I'm ready to just like fucking throw in the towel, man. I can't, I can't do this anymore. I've been suspending consciousness for months, you know, living out of a bottle, right? Cause I can't, cause the vulnerability, I can't face, yep. I can't face the guy in the mirror, mm -hmm. right? Hating, hating myself, hating everything about me. And having a job to do and right. having a family to take care of. And so August 28th uh, of 2014, um, I, am, I just got home from the road. It's my wife's birthday. We decide to ride our bikes down to Seal Beach and have a nice day on the beach. And I feel like I'm just like going along for the ride. I'm try I'm really trying, man, to be present in the moment, but my brain is in mm -hmm. all these other places and I it's my wife's birthday and it's me, my wife and my youngest daughter Lucy. And uh and we live in, you know, the Belmont Shore area of Long Beach. So we ride our bikes, you know, uh 2nd Street over to PCH and then down into Seal Beach. And uh it's a lovely day. It's a great day, but I I can't I'm not all the way there. It sucks. And uh, we have lunch on the beach and have a, 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 the best time I could possibly have. They're having a great time or they're trying to have a great time. They know they're with somebody who's not really with them. And that's kind of a tough thing to do to your family. And so they say, uh, oh, let's fuck. 
they say, uh, let's go home, you know. So we get on our bikes and we start riding home. Oh, man. What the fuck, Boelli? <laughs> I call the time you need. I don't even know why this part's upsetting me. I should have been crying when I was talking about Puerto Rico. <laughs> um, okay, so we get on our bikes and we start heading home and we, we're we turning on to 2nd Street and we're about to ride our bikes over the 2nd Street Bridge. And uh, we're, there's a bike lane there. We're in the bike lane. Uh, I put I always put my daughter in front of me on her bike because I figure I guess... I figure I can see what's coming ahead and uh, I'll take the brunt of anything coming behind. That's my, mm -hmm. that's what you do. Yep. Um, but my wife's behind me because she's slow. I'd prefer to have them both in front of me, but my wife just cannot keep up with right. me and Lucy. So my wife's behind me and I hear an engine just revving and then I hear my wife scream. And I recognize that a car has just buzzed her, like at a high rate of speed. And then that same car buzzes me. And without any time at all to react, I try to yell to Lucy, who's ahead of me, to get to move over. But it's too late. The car sideswipes her. And uh, it was... I... I, I that's August. I still have I still have these like terrible, terrible flashes mm -hmm. of this moment. The car, the side mirror hits her and folds in, and then the side of the car just rubs up against her. And now, if this kid did not ha does not have the physical uh, intelligent the the physical hold on a second. If my child does not have the physical intelligence that she has, she's in the dirt. Right. But somehow, Lucy keeps pedaling mm -hmm. through this. Even though I see her, her body language is of total terror and total shock and pain and horror, she still has the intelligence and the physical ability to ride through it. If it was my oldest daughter or my wife, they would have been knocked right to the ground, and that's not saying anything bad about of them. Of course. It's just this kid was able to deal with it mm -hmm. in, a, in, in, a, in a physical way. And she, so she gets knocked by this car going at a high rate of speed, completely sideswipes her. She still ride, pedals through it and gets over to the curb and basically hits the dirt then. Because I see, I know that she's been hit, and I know she's hurt, but because she doesn't fall, you know, she doesn't turn up the handlebars or something and just go head over heels. Mm -hmm. Because she rides to the curb, I also know that as bad as she's hurt and as terribly as she's scared, that she's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. If not, I would have just pulled right over. Of course. And I would have, you know, tended to her. The car begins recognizing that it just hit a little girl on a bike, begins to pull over begins to pull over mm -hmm. and then thinks different because there's some dumb fucking drunk piece of shit driving the fucking car. And instead of getting busted for driving drunk and hitting a little girl on her bicycle, he's going to keep going. Mm -hmm. Hit and run yep. on a 13-year-old little girl. 
So he keeps going. I keep fucking going. You want to talk about the first step in the right direction? This is it. This is me fucking crawling out of a fucking crevice. You've just fucking hit my little girl with a car. You want to talk about positive rage? You want to talk about anger as strength? Yep. Here we go, motherfucker. I ride a bicycle at a speed that I don't care who they are. No human being has ever ridden a bicycle at this fucking speed. Not this bike. Not this setup anyway. <laughs> right. Yeah. I get over the second street bridge in a matter of seconds. I'm now into Naples in a matter of seconds. I'm now going over the next bridge into Belmont Shore. This car has been running red lights, looking for escape routes, but because Naples is an island, he kept he keeps wanting to turn and get away from me, but he realizes he must know the area, probably lives in the area, realizes that these are all dead ends. That I'll catch him. So he just keeps hauling ass, running through lights and stop signs to get into Belmont Shore. When he gets into Belmont Shore, there's a series of lights. He gets stopped, but he's pretty far clear of me, he thinks. But what I've done is I've gone up the left-hand side of the road. I'm now out of his rearview mirror. He can't see me in his mirrors. I'm dodging behind other cars. I'm riding like a fucking maniac. And uh, I eventually catch the motherfucker. He has no idea. He thinks he's completely free and clear. He's got his window rolled up on his driver's side. I come right up to his window. My initial reaction was to be, I was going to punch him right through the window. The window would, don't tell me about the physics, if it's not possible or not. (laughs) Fuck you. I would have punched right through the window, right into his face. I wouldn't have had a fucking scratch on me. Or if I did, I wouldn't have cared. And he would have been fucking laid out. But I thought, no, I'm going to give him a chance. So I rapped on his window in a very stern manner. I said, pull the fuck over. And he looked at me like I was crazy. And he turned his car into me and hit the gas, knocking me off my bike onto 2nd Street. And he took off again. I got up. I rode my bike again at a speed that no human being has ever ridden a bicycle. And he turned left down a side street, and I was right on his heels again. And I don't know why, but I think he realized that the area he was in, he wasn't going to escape me. He probably lived in the neighborhood and was like, what's he going to do, pull up to his house with me behind him? No matter what, he's not getting away, Mm -hmm. no matter what. He stopped. I threw my bike down in the street. I took my phone out. I took a photo of his license plate. I walked up the right-hand side of his car. I took a photo of his door where there was a scrape from my daughter's hand and bicycle. Flesh on her on his car from her palm, side of her palm. Uh, I took a photo of his broken mirror from hitting her in the shoulder. I walked around to the front of the car. I looked him in the face. I took several photos of his face. And he says, what are you doing? What do you want? I said, you fucking know what I want. You fucking know what you did. Now you're going to sit here until the fucking police come. And when I said that, I saw true panic flash through his face. The one thing that I should have done that I didn't do is reach in and grab the keys and pull them out. I don't know why I didn't do that. I thought maybe, I really thought he'd given up and he was just going to take his punishment. And as soon as I said I was calling the police, as I was bringing the phone up to my face, 
he threw it into drive and hit the gas. Now I'm standing still. He's he's clearly now he's got to get away in his mind. In his mind, I could tell. I could tell no matter what, he's getting away. He'll fucking kill somebody at the end of the street to get away, right? He's now going to be a, a chain of mm-hmm. events. So somehow in this fractions of seconds, I know everything I need to know. I processed the entire thing. My daughter, yes, was hit by a car. Tragic and violent and horrible to watch for me. But, well, she's only got a scrape on her hand. What's the problem? Right? Um, what, what, what punishment? This guy... He get home, sober up. What? I don't even, I don't even, I wasn't me. Where's the proof? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, I just, it just, I summarized the whole thing. And my previous experience with law enforcement was, he's going to look at this dude. They're going to look at me and somehow I'm still going to be the bad guy because of my physical appearance or something. So I fucking smashed this guy's face as he was pulling away. With a left hook. I've never thrown a left hook at anybody. I never used my left hand. But my right hand was holding my phone and my left hand was the closest to his face. And I hit him pretty fucking hard and I was a little bit nervous that I'd hit him too hard and he was going to get knocked out and crash into parked cars and then I'd have a real shit storm on my hands. But he kept driving. I hit him hard enough to feel good about it and for him to know he'd been hit. And, uh, and that was the end of it. And then I got on my bike and I rode and I got on my bike and I rode home. Mm -hmm. And now what that has to do with anything to anybody in this world, I don't know, but I got on my bike and I rode home Mm -hmm. and I was home. And for years previous to that, I don't know where the fuck I was. Mm. And someone would go, oh, Mike V being Mike V punching people. Whatever. (laughs) I, you call it what you want to call it, but that was love. Mm -hmm. And that was, uh, that was me finding myself and knowing what I valued and what I cared about. And, uh, and I'm, if something negative would have grown out of that and affected me in some way, I would still see it in a positive light. I would still proceed forward quite confident and happy in what I'd done and 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 not have regret about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I, I've told this, I've only told this story to, well, now I've told it to everybody, but <laughs> I previously only told this story to a few people. And I stopped, and at first I, I wanted to tell this story because I felt so good about, well, because... Because it was actually meaningful to me, mm-hmm. it, it it was something real. Finally, something real. Um, but as I started to tell people stories, they oh, you you should have waited for the co- you should have just called the cop. You should have done the you shouldn't have hit the guy, Mike. Why you gotta always hit the guy? And I, I'm, I'm not gonna. So, um, well, I've told on your podcast now, but um, so August twenty eighth. That's where I started moving in the right direction. Mm-hmm. I haven't hit anybody since then. I don't plan on hitting anybody, but you know, I ha- I still I. It really kind of uh, brought some clarity to me when I saw my daughter 
get hit by a car, mm-hmm. I realized like I want to be here. I want to be here to protect. I want to be here to to uh you know cherish every possible moment and second I can with these people. These are the people that matter to me. This is these are the people I love. And uh and wow, man, it took some fucking terrible terrible thing no it wasn't I, I i i just can hear people's reaction like but she didn't even get hurt you don't understand man That's... you 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 get in my eyes and see what i saw and mm-hmm. feel what i felt in that moment you have no idea what you know yeah, but uh, what anybody has to say about this is completely irrelevant it doesn't matter you got on your bike and you got home so there yeah, is to it that's it know? it is that's the whole thing That's the only thing that counts. And uh and I'm home now and um I guard I've I guard my time, my life and the things that I value uh more so than ever before in my life. People want to ask me to do things or have me do this that the other thing. There's a real uh filter that that stuff has to go through now. And and it's good it's good this is as good as a story as it ever gonna get so i don't even know how long we have recorded this is it for me this is a beautiful story this is where <laughs> i want to leave it because i'm gonna cry now <laughs> so <laughs> this is as good as it gets i just want to say thank you you are going to help a lot of people with this and there will be people that want to give you shit but i think there's a lot of folks that need to hear that story to let them know that that way out does exist and for you to share this is an amazing thing and it's quite a gift and i appreciate you you doing it oh thanks guys thank you well i'm not going to try to add anything to that that was amazing what i just think it was brave of him to share that with people. I think it's going to help a lot of folks. And I'm so happy that he spent the time. Um, make sure to check out the Mike V show. It's yeah, a lot of fun. Absolutely. Uh, I think he's got a hit on his hands. And we're awfully glad that he asked us to help him out because he's a great cat and just great to work with. Mike V is a man, that's for sure. You heard him. So in light of what you heard, if you can support the guy, that would be brilliant, whether it's by tuning in on his podcast, whether it is you either you use skateboard, so you know anybody who can use a board as a gift, get it from him. I'll try to dig up his website and put it in the episode notes. So yeah, please show him some love. Thank you guys so much for listening. This was I'm still gonna process everything that's been said today for quite a few days from this moment on. So I'll go back to do some processing right now. Thanks, Mike. You're awesome. And so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Taoist Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as soon as they come out. You can keep track of Daniel at dbolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. 
And you can find me on Twitter at Richimon1. That's R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N, the numeral one. See y'all soon. In questo caso, in questo caso, le provvidenze di Dio. Duncan showed you the way, eh? Oh man, isn't that scary to think? Nice. So don't kill people, do that instead. <laughs> this was great. It's fucking awesome. And I love this conversation. That's Get back I... to work.